Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. The verdict. This is our after show podcast where we look back at the previous episode, number 32, Flight in Senegal during the Bronze Age. So if you haven't listened to that, go back, check it out, or else there will be spoilers ahead. I'm just twiddling my spit guard, my plosive pouch. Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. My name is Ryan and I am here in the studio with the fragrant Peter Goddard. I'm of mixed emotions about that description. (laughs) (laughs) And the uh, effervescent Mr. Paul Dursley. Effervescent, I prefer deliquescent. Delicatessen? (laughs) Can't you hear as well as speak? Deliquescent. What does that mean? Well, can't you remember your O-level chemistry? No. Um, well, no, deliquescent is, you know, a salt that takes in water from the atmosphere. Yeah, if you leave salt out, it'll just get damp over time. So deliquescent, that's your word of the day. Deliquescent. Hey, Pete, how you doing? I am okay. I went walking this weekend, so oh. uh, I have a little blister, but not nothing too terrible to write home about. Mm. You like hiking, Paul? Uh, no. Would you have gone with Pete on his little hike? Absolutely not. What if I offered to push you in a little <laughs> wheelbarrow? I think we should do the Dursley Decathlon, which is a range of events all featuring carrying, lifting or pushing Paul Dursley various <laughs> places. <laughs> Didn't realise you were that strong. <laughs> we could do the shot, Paul. I had a medical last week and I learned that my weight is creeping up again. Well, that's interesting because your weight is part of your physical appearance. And it just so happens that we had some feedback this week. Yeah, so I met with one of our listeners at the weekend and they were fusing about you um, as much as anything. And I wanted to know what they thought you looked like based (laughs) on the sound of your voice. Uh, well, because you know, I mean, that's a fair thing because you keep yourself hidden. You don't, you don't go on social media. You haven't got any pictures on our website. You're, uh, you're a mystery. You're a mystery man. You're a mystery man, but you have a voice, and it is possible well, to construct. We'll keep it like that. <laughs> well, it's too late, mate, because uh, well, you've got a this photo chap's... fit, have you? He's got, he's got a very clear idea of what you look like. He's about sixty-five years old. <laughs> Right. He is a wearer of glasses. Interesting. Um, he's slightly round, but not obese. Oh, interesting. Um, Doctors a, would say otherwise. Well, yes, apparently. <laughs> it wasn't a medical opinion, fortunately. Right. Full head of hair in grey. Wears a tie to do the podcast every time. A tie? A tie. <laughs> the podcast tie. <laughs> and that was his view of what Paul Dursley looks like. I think he's almost 50% right, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty good, I think. So, Peter. Yes, sir. We uh, we sat through your episode. You endured, <laughs> you endured sir. <laughs> trying to sway all, the all judge right from the get-go. This is uh, very dubious behaviour. Well, I was looking at the scores um, uh, <laughs> earlier this week, and you have a much higher grade overall than I do on average. Well, I'm 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 fairly confident that this one's going to struggle due to the mix of topic and time period, which was rather challenging. So. But we'll see. You never we will know. see. I, did it. I gave you my best shot in any event. Well, the judge is in session. And so uh, everything that you have done so far is now been reviewed and the evidence scrutinized. <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, but before we begin, why don't we have a little reminder? Could you do a little one minute summary for us? Certainly can. Okay. Well, then go. 
We went to Senegal, whose capital Dakar is the westernmost point of mainland Africa and is the finishing point for the Paris-Dakar rally. We learned about Taranga, Senegalese hospitality, and its plethora of UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Our journey in time took us back to the Bronze Age, which didn't actually happen in sub-Saharan Africa. They went straight to the Iron Age. We met the migrating birds, including the big-mouthed pelican who flew over some man-made islands made of oyster and cockle shells called shell middens, which are beloved by archaeologists. We also flew with the Senegal parrot into the dry savannah where we encountered ancient baobab trees that can live over a thousand years and function as landmarks, burying places for griot storytellers, and the source of water, giving them the name the Tree of Life. We drank delicious hibiscus pisap, we also tried baobab powder, arguably less delicious, and finished with a Senegalese feast to celebrate the birthday of one Ryan Weir. Hooray! Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. One day you'll be on the train and someone will be humming that, like, nice one son. Yeah, <laughs> I hate that, I really do, I shouldn't say this of course. He's the wonderful Paul Ersley. Dum, dum. So, Paul, what's your thoughts on Senegal? Uh, I didn't really know much about Senegal. I know more about the Gambia. Okay. But you obviously don't. Well, you said the Gambia was French. It's not. It's English. Well, OK. <laughs> um, no, it, okay. The, 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 it, it's, it's quite simple. It just shows who the power was then. You know, there's a, there's a very nice productive river with floodplains full of grain and wildebeest and all of that sort of stuff. And then around it is just nothing. So we got the interesting bit and left the French for the rest. You would think that there would have been more confrontation and conflict, but it appears that it seems less so. Yes, uh, well, uh, it was sort of all the latter colonial period, wasn't it? When, you know, the end of the 19th century, where the European powers weren't really fighting each other. And so the col- their colonies or protectorates would be living with each other. And I think um, the French could always cross the Gambia quite easily. It wasn't sort of closed off. I think for a long time it was just kind of grab what you can. Why would you bother fighting the person next door when you could just keep going inwards and out and leftwards and just rip off the locals instead of having a fight with a power equal to your own? Up until then, it was only the bits that were economically viable, really, that or that, that could make money that, that were colonised. So it's basically the coasts and the rivers. And then sort of in the 19th century, there was quite a lot of, OK, well, we now know what Africa looks like. We need to fill it out by taking as much of it as we can. I assume the British were there first because it's a case of getting the best bits. You know, it's like mm. putting your towel on the beach. Or on the river. Yeah, if you get there first, you get the best bits. I think it's more like putting your towel on the beach where the beach actually has people living under your towel and then you argue with your German neighbour about whose towel is there while sitting on top of some people who were there all along. <laughs> Not my best metaphor, but still. <laughs> well, that happened in East Africa and sort of between South Africa and German Southwest Africa in the First World War, didn't they? They were sort of, it was, no, I think it was known as the Ice Cream War. What, the ice cream war. Now there's a war I can get involved in. <laughs> uh, well, this this is you know because it was it was hot and people were eating ice cream. I suppose you know so it was Kenya, Uganda, and German Tanganyika. Uh, there's few things that I would fight over, but I think ice cream is probably on that list. 
So do you, <laughs> would you declare war on the seagulls who are quite good at stealing ice cream? They steal ice cream. Oh, I stole, stole my mother's ice cream once. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> Did you chase after it? No, because we were laughing. Oh, right. <laughs> You're so mean to your mum. <laughs> So, uh, but we weren't here to talk about the Gambia. We were talking about Senegal. Yes, but the facts that Pete gave during his lecture on Senegal were about Gambia, and they were wrong. So let's talk about Senegal. Um, yeah. So, what were your general what were your general thoughts on it? Like, was there anything of interest? Anything that jumped out as especially interesting about the country that you didn't know? I, I suppose I didn't know very much about Senegal, and if you'd have asked, I'd have given the lazy answer that it'd be a typical African dictatorship that's incredibly unstable, but it's not. That was very surprising. That was quite a pleasant feature of the research, because normally when I've had these African nations, it's when, and then there's a civil war, and then a strong man comes in, and then a he massacre. gets toppled, and then there's a massacre, and then everyone kills everyone else. And this one was like, eh, they did all right, actually, so good on them, well done, Senegal. Um, so what is your definition of a plethora? You said there were a plethora of sites. Uh, there are seven, I think it was. So a UNESCO plethora World Heritage seven. Sites. So, so there are... Or <laughs> more. Eight would also be a plethora, I feel. <laughs> Listen to you wriggling. <laughs> Nine even I'd go up to for a plethora. Ten, you're looking at a, a near dozen. That's a, a plethora. <laughs> a plethora of wonders of the world. What, what is a plethora? Should he have said smorgasbord? Peak Freen's assortment? A heck of a lot. Shed load? <laughs> um, I think seven would have been probably a better term. Well, like a more accurate term. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's quite a lot for a small country. It really is. How many, how many, how many are there in this country? I think there are about, only about two. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. The UNESCO World Heritage thing does get around. Like most of the episodes that we've done so far, they've all had their own little UNESCO World Heritage sign. Well, one thing that did surprise me, uh, apropos your podcast was <laughs> was yeah. uh, about there being no bronze age right but that was really surprising but what about you know it's close to benin with the benin bronzes so i don't understand explain <laughs> so now you're asking me questions about benin that's not gonna happen no no no, no 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 it's very <laughs> next it's very next door to benin and um Benin is well known for its bronze sculptures. So, if there was that's fascinating, there was so was there a bronze age in Benin and not in Senegal? I'm not. I didn't say there was never any bronze. I'm saying there wasn't a bronze age. So the Benin bronzes could well have been created after what we consider to be the Bronze Age, but made out of bronze. I I don't know. I'm I'm deliberately trying to be awkward (laughs) (laughs) and succeeding. It has been a triumph. (laughs) (laughs) I've not heard of the Benin bronzes. Uh, uh, Do these date back to that period then, Paul? Do you know? I don't. I, I, I know that they're incredible works of art and a lot of them were pilfered. And I think... Very specifically. And I'm sure some were handed back uh, by the British Museum a little while ago. All right, so, uh, Lady of the Internet, uh, when were the Benin Bronzes, and also, what are they? (laughs) Hello. This is the voice of the Internet. The Benin Bronzes are a group of metal artifacts that once decorated the royal palace in the Kingdom of Benin, in what is now Nigeria. The figurines, tusks, sculptures of rulers... Plaques and masks were created from the 13th century onwards by indigenous cultures untouched by European influences. Contrary to the name, not all of the works were made of bronze. 
but also brass, wood, ceramic and ivory. Approximately 3,000 of the objects were looted by British soldiers in 1897 and have since been dispersed around the world. There is increasing pressure on guilty nations to return all artifacts to their rightful home. Thank you. Ah, oh, right. That's kind of cool. So they're 13th century, so, so they're much, much later. So I feel vindicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also a good spot by Paul, to be fair. I didn't question you enough. I just take everything that you say as gospel. Gospel truth. Absolutely. So you should. I don't want you bringing anything <laughs> so to the I table. I <laughs> 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 don't need more scepticism in my life. <laughs> So the bronze, so we've gone about so there wasn't a bronze age there. No, apparently not. Isn't that fascinating that 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 our western view of the world is such that because we had a bronze the age the world had a bronze age, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily a western view. It is a uh, I, I don't know what the the sort of the collective is, but it's it's a sort of Mesopotamian view. A Mesopotamian view. Well, it, it, that that sort of sort of the cradle of Western civilization was sort of the fertile crescent, wasn't it? Around there, and then we only ever we only ever hear of that story about sort of coming out um, into Europe and maybe going into Asia and, and India, but you never really hear about going over that land bridge into Africa and what was happening down there. I suppose you, you know it's a, a horrible term, but it was always known as the Dark Continent, wasn't it? Not much was known. About about it yeah true so um i want to talk about tactile cravings uh twice in the episode i don't know what ryan, it was something overcame ryan it was it, very peculiar it was very odd wasn't it like that whole pelican nasal you, filter <laughs> there was something about it in my head just <laughs> felt ta- i just wanted to it like a honeycomb i was injury call you say yeah, just wanted <laughs> just a bite on it and then i wanted to walk over the the shell mountains of the middens now I, i've got sympathy with that i can imagine crunch 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 and also i'd nice. like to wear a pair of shell mittens i thought you were gonna say a pair of pelicans on your hands <laughs> no that would be very uncomfortable your 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 episode was to, quite into heraldic beasts heraldic beasts heraldic beasts and uh, where to find them what do you mean by that <laughs> well you were you were talking about martlets or the birds with no feet that they thought yeah. uh, that that's a heraldic heraldic thing and vulning pelicans is another one what a vulning pelican well vulning is the act of the pelican drawing blood from itself Oh, of course yeah um, and both of those are quite often used in heraldry i think the pelican is actually on the coat of arms of buckinghamshire i think has it got a pigeon in its mouth (laughs) no i think it's i think it's feeding it and and similarly the liver bird in liverpool is a vulning pelican oh really no i thought it was a kind of bird i always thought it was liver was a different mythical beast like a martlet or like a mm. no i knew it was sort of pelican-ish but i didn't realize it was actually a pelican I thought it was a no, I? mythical I bird. Yeah, I'm trying to picture it now, and I'm picturing like an eagle or something, but I guess not. My favourite. Think of Neris Hughes. My favourite. My favourite one is called the Bonacon, which is some a weird sort of cross between a cow and a, 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 a an ox and a horse that 
squirts fiery dung out of its anus and covers <laughs> and can cover acres of land in one go. And that's, <laughs> I'll admit I wasn't expecting and that. And that's its superpower. <laughs> I do have to admit I have I, I had to hold that in reserve for when I was thinking about heraldic beasts. So I thought I think I've just described it the next villain of the next Avengers film. <laughs> So whose coat of arms exactly <laughs> features a bull? <laughs> Go on. Jet. Go on. <laughs> Firing a fiery jet from his rear end. Well, it's not a jet. It's actually feces that sets fire to anything it touches. Like a napalm feces. Which is a great name for a bat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't be a jazz band, would you, with an angry species? So tactile cravings. I looked it up online. I thought there might be like a, an actual thing. So I looked it up and I found like a, a forum where some people were talking about some some very similar things, but these were all pregnant women. <laughs> <laughs> You're not eating coal, are you? Uh, <laughs> no, but now you mention it, I wouldn't mind giving that little nibble. Um, one of them was saying that they had a strange craving for foam. All day they were just thinking about squeezing memory foam or like the foam of their washing up pad. So not eating it? Not, not eating it, no, no, just to feel it, tactile. Then there was others that were saying, oh, the smell of gasoline when you're filling up your car. Well, yes, I, I, I know what you mean there with petrol. The one that always gets me is creosote on fences. Creosote on fences, yeah, very good. Pro- you like that smell? Pro- yes, I do. You're probably too old to remember that. I mean, I'm not. Too young, I'm sorry. To remember. Yeah, too old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can be too old yeah. to remember many things. <laughs> then, there was, then there was one who, and I, and I quote, OMG, my MILs. Uh, which is mother-in-law's my mil's basement has this awesome sheetrock and mothball smell i could stay down there for hours it's so weird it's 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 sort of like bubble wrap isn't it popping bubble wrap is it possible not to yeah to pop bubble wrap that's exactly it i wouldn't trust anyone who had some bubble wrap and didn't at least have a little pop at it right or like like a bean bag like i just want to put my hand into the the beans of a bean bag just feel those those beans why would you do something like that I imagine it would feel really nice. Wow. We never know, I guess. All right, next one is, uh, I'm obsessed with brushing my teeth. It feels so good. I actually cannot wait to get home from work so I can brush them for like 10 minutes and then again before bed. I wish I could do it every hour. I was always told that you should only clean your teeth twice a day. Whatever. I mean, three times a day was what I grew up with, but who has the time to do it at lunch? Who's carrying a toothbrush around, really? Now toothbrushes tell you which bits of your mouth you've missed, don't they? They do. Do they? The electronic yeah, ones, yeah. But that app, only ever, that app only ever gets used about three times before everybody says, enough. So anyway, point being, yeah, uh, I couldn't find out what that craving is. Well, when you're brushing your teeth tonight, think, am I enjoying this enough? Should I be enjoying this more? How could I enjoy this more? What? Because <laughs> you want you want your tactile sensations. I thought you were looking for other sensations. Yeah, this like woman wants egg. to brush their teeth. I don't want to brush my teeth for ten minutes. That's crazy. I just want to eat a pelican nose. What's wrong with that? I don't know whether I should say this, but sticking a cotton bud in your ear and twiddling it around is quite a nice sensation. Especially, especially when if you cough or something, you do your eardrum in. 
it feels great. I, I, I agree. It's also massively illegal and you'll go to prison for many years if oh, you yeah, do that. Do not All like the that. rules on the thing say do not stick them in your ear. Yes, yeah, because that's, the, that's what everybody buys them for. It's a disclaimer <laughs> so they don't get taken to court. Yeah, because somebody out there just yammed one in their ear so far it formed part of their brain. Pushes the wax in, doesn't it? So you end up with a barrier anyways. Really bad. You need to get a little spoon. It's what they used to use. It's a little, like a little ivory spoon that they used to use. That's gross too. Because now I'm thinking about what that might taste like. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know whether this is true, but I also heard that earwax is a Western thing. But people from East Asia don't have earwax. What? They it's oil. They have it as oil, and it seeps out. We have it as a solid in the West. Why? Why? I just think it's a phenotype of some sort. Lady of the Internet. Do people in the East have oily ears versus people in the West's waxy ears? According to scientists, 80 to 90% of Asian ears produce a dry and flaky wax, whereas African and Caucasian ears produce a wetter wax. This difference is determined by a single gene that alters the shape of a channel that controls the flow of molecules to directly affect ear wax type. Researchers have found that many East Asians have a mutation in this gene which prevents cerumen, the molecule that makes ear wax wet, from entering the mix. Wet wax enables the body to self-clean, trap insects and prevent dryness in the auditory canal. The usefulness of dry earwax is not yet understood. Outsides of the body, humans have used earwax in the past as both a lip balm and a salve for fixing wounds. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fascinating. <That's, laughs> that is interesting. That is good stuff. <laughs> Pick one of those. So you haven't had any further cravings. I'm now getting nervous about your weird cravings. No, it was just purely that episode. And the, it started with a pelican nose and it went from there. I, I did have a, a, a weird feeling about being inside a tree, though. That felt, that made me feel a little claustrophobic. Well, but you shouldn't feel claustrophobic. I believe you're referring to the Baobab, which well, I am, yeah, that, bury the little storytelling griots in yeah. from time to time. They're absolutely vast. They've got loads of room. I uh, found one in a place called Sunland in South Africa, which they put a wine bar in. Oh, really? wow. So um, you, and at one point they had a party with 60 people in, in the wine <laughs> 60 bar. people in the tree. That's what they say. Did they have to like evict the dead people? Well, that was South Africa, <laughs> so they probably had different customs. Oh, yeah, good point. Thanks, Paul. Always there to keep me on track. There are some trees in this country, aren't there? Generally, they're yew trees that have that sort of similar habit of sort of the middle dies yet as a an almost complete ring with or like a door in it. And I think one was used as a bus shelter for a number of years. Were, were people buried in yew trees? No, but interestingly, yew trees are the typical tree that appears around cemeteries. Oh, really? Is that right? Yes, I'm not sure the re- I'm not sure of the reason why, but you know, yew trees are associated with cemeteries. That is interesting. Trees absorb things as well, though, don't they? Like oftentimes, you you might find like a road sign that's been placed next to a tree will will be absorbed halfway through it into it someone's left a bicycle somewhere and it's been eaten by a tree essentially (laughs) the yes they will encroach upon solids there are a couple of fences near me where a chain link fences where the tree has sort of grown through the fence and then met merged together again on the other side yeah it's interesting because you'd think that it would just sort of push the 
fence over rather than absorbing it. I guess it's so very slow that it just yes. grows around it. I didn't think it grew from the outside, though. I thought it only grew from the inside and pushed the outside out. But then that doesn't make sense because it would just crack. That's growing from the outside as well, isn't it? If the inside is growing, the outside is having to grow as well. Yeah, I just thought it was a stretchier. <laughs> <laughs> but it's bark. And because and, I thought when you were saying that you were, you were meaning like noxious stuff from the atmosphere, which they do. London plane trees placed by roads yeah their bark actually flakes off the bark actually absorbs quite a lot of the toxic gases and stuff noxious emissions from cars and people it it falls off over time and it regenerates the bark i suppose you'd call it the skin or the dermis of a of a tree i do not know whether it's alive or not but so when people like carve their names into the bark of a tree it's like tattoos like that that tattoo paul's got in a galleon on his chest <laughs> from the time he crossed the equator. When he was in the Navy. <laughs> I thought you meant the ones from when he was in that Russian prison. Yeah, the, <laughs> the teardrop for that man he killed. Yeah. In Men. the gulag. The men he killed. <laughs> yeah. Anything else on baobab trees? Um, just to confirm that some of them, have the, the oldest was 1,200-some years old. So I was like, what, what could possibly live longer than that? And there are trees that are comfortably more than 4,000 years old. What? So I was finding out these microbes that can actually, they grow older, and then under certain conditions they grow younger. They go back to a sort of previous larval-type stage, and they are functionally immortal. What, because they just get older and then young and then old and then young yeah. forever? That's amazing. Even the even asking the question turned out to be more complicated than what's the longest lived thing because it's like, do you count things that go dormant for 50 years? Is that yeah. alive for 50 years or is it not? Do you count a colony of uh, mushrooms that all the mushrooms live and die and live and die and live and die, but it's all part of one biological mass? Is that yeah. a single creature that's all... It, entity living for thousands of years it's like that that thing about a broom that you replace the handle and the brush 15 times exactly. still the same broom that you've got the ship of theseus i believe that's known in philosophical circles <laughs> broom of theseus <laughs> well that was uh he was a witch He'd fly around on a broom <laughs> yeah Um, let's talk about food. Oh, yes, I please. enjoyed the food. Thanks for bringing that. It was absolutely my pleasure. Sorry, sorry you didn't get any, Paul. Yes, but, I never uh, received. Lot. I never received any this time. Well, you missed out. It was delicious. So what? They sent it to you cold, or they sent you the ingredients and you cooked them up? No, I had to go to Brighton, where Le Baobab is. Why'd you go so far? That's like you it's know, surprisingly difficult to find Senegalese restaurants. There are probably some in London, but Brighton is probably easier to get to mm. overall. The one place I did contact was a kind of pop-up place and it had not popped up. (laughs) 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 So I found myself heading to Brighton as a consequence. But generally speaking, African food doesn't have the kind of restaurant coverage of many of the other nationalities that we've come to kind of take for granted. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of their food is based on the two meats I don't like, lamb and goat. Oh, I like a bit of goat. I'm not a fan of lamb, but I do like a goat. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, granted, goat is better than lamb, but I'd still take a cow any time. <laughs> <laughs> Something you can put out of context. 
Is, is that the furthest you've ever gone to get a meal? Just to get a meal? Yeah, that you've travelled specifically and only to get food. Oh, that's going to take some thought. No, probably not. What about you, Paul? Was like the furthest you've gone to get a meal? The furthest I've gone to get a meal? You've never, like, jumped on a plane to go fly to Rome just to get a pizza and then fly back again? No, I haven't, funnily enough. No. Do you have a favourite restaurant abroad? A favourite restaurant abroad? I've got a favourite restaurant at home. McDonald's does not count. Oh, come on, he loves his nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could give an advert for La Trompette and Chiswick, which is very good. Why not? Go on. They're not paying us, but you never know, one day. <laughs> well, um, well, yes, 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 yes. Well, I just have. Um, <laughs> how far... That's all you get. I did once go on a holiday that was largely culinary-based, and I took last year, in fact, a cheese tour where we drove around the country going to cheese places, including yeah. Cheddar and Winsleydale. <laughs> That's they're amazing. Quite a, they're quite a distance apart. It was a week-long tour. There was We weren't mucking about, mate. So maybe that counts. Maybe that counts. It's in the grey area, I think. Have you ever had squeezy cheese? Like a can of cheese? Not since... knowingly, no. I, 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 I don't understand that. Cheese is some of the f- most flavourful thing that you can possibly buy and eat. And then you get something that is processed and sprays out of a can. It's just utterly... Convenient. (sighs) Pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) I think when I'm doing my apocalypse prepping, I'm going to go for the canned cheese. Although I could age my cheddar in a sort of cave-like environment. Yeah, you totally could. That's probably better, isn't it? My bunker. Well, I think my apocalypse kit is a, a pack of potassium cyanide. On a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you might as well make it nice. Uh, you know, yeah. you know sh- shove it in the middle of a bit of foie gras. Oh, let's talk about the national anthem. Oh, we've had yes. a lot of feedback. The national anthem was really popular. It, I, most people agree with me that it's the best of the national anthem so far. It absolutely is, no doubt. And despite being an entire thievery, a ripoff, total ripoff, an absolute carbon copy of he's, he's the, the judge, 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 judge in all of the things he does. <laughs> yes, about three bars out of an enormously long song. <laughs> Well, I, I sought legal advice, and apparently we are not able to sue on the frankly spurious grounds that they wrote it 60 years before we wrote ours. That's oh, nothing. A more ambitious lawyer might have taken the case, but this guy was not interested. Well, maybe they could meet us on the middle ground, and they could just change the lyrics to their Senegalese national anthem. To, to include, include... He's the judge, he's the judge, <laughs> judging all They're of the things at the end, does. don't they? Don't mess with what they've got. We'll just right. have a little a last, a last go-round into that bit, and... Uh, a reprise. Yeah, a little <laughs> Paul Dursley reprise. Who do we write to to make that happen? <laughs> Senegalese government. Dear Senegalese, dear the government. Please change your national anthem. A, to a language you don't speak, and yeah. B, <laughs> to reference Paul Dursley. Okay, if there are any Senegalese Wolof speakers out there who are willing to record he's the judge, oh, judge, judge, judge for us in Wolof, that would be fantastic. That would be really good, yeah. He's the judge, he's the judge, judging all of the things we does. He's the judge, 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 his name's Paul Dursley.
all rise for the judge. Paul, this is your opportunity before we get into the actual grading. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to know more information about? Anything that you needed more clarification on before you cast your... Well, first of all, you've core. clarified the Benin bronzers and yeah. the, uh, I got rid of the inconsistency of the no bronze age bronzers. I've been found innocent, is how I like to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's dropped the first charge. This is promising. <laughs> the judge is reflecting. He's retired to his chambers. Well, you know, it is, it is a bit bad thinking that the Gambia spoke French. I, I mean, I don't want to in any way steer the course of justice. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, where do you, you do. stand, my lord? On the subject of Objection, flight. objection, Your Honour. No, ignore that, <laughs> Your Honour. Leading the witness. <laughs> well, this is an interesting point, isn't it? I think Pete, to give Pete credit, he did it much better than the Bahamas by not invoking a time machine. That's true. There was no time machine involved. Well, I, I suppose a, a little bit of lateral thinking might have got better marks, but... What e what else could fly at that that time, Ryan? What would you have done? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. I think we know what he would have done. He would have already said, "Oh, they must have had hot air balloons." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have chased that down until the final day of research, <laughs> desperate to find like an arrow or a spear, maybe. Well, I would have done something. Okay, okay, if I was being negative, I say would say it's a bit of a cop out. Yes. But if I was big, uh, if I was Objection. being positive, I'd say. <laughs> If if I was being positive, Sustained. I would have said there's 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 not much else to choose from. I think I have to go down. I think I have to mark it down because of the lack of lateral thinking around uh, the subject. I will give it a B minus. Understood. I I accept that, Your Honour, my lud. Yeah, where, 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 is, where is my wig coming? I've been, I've been waiting for my wig. It's true, we should get your wig. You really want to wear a wig in this heat? Oh, mate. I want a full-bottom wig. I had a look there, £2,700 for a new one. Well, then that's it. Uh, that's that's all the time that we've got for the verdict this week. Um, thanks all for listening. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about in uh, this episode or in, indeed, the actual episode on Senegal, you can do that by contacting us at hhepodcast at gmail.com or at hhepodcast.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and you never know, you might feature on a future show like... Terry Towell, 71, who has very kindly left us a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Terry Towell. Yeah, and he said, you will come for Pete and Ryan, but you will definitely stay for the Erudite Paul. Erudite Paul, which we think might be referring to you. <laughs> yeah, in such <laughs> that we think maybe you wrote this and you are Terry Towell. We haven't looked up what Erudite means yet, though. Yeah. So it could be someone else. It could be another Paul. <laughs> I think it's also a synonym for... <laughs> <laughs> Have you been writing reviews, Paul? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> I might write reviews if I could be bothered, but I'm not. Anyway, that was a nice review. So thank you, Terry Tower 71 Agreed. Yes, I suppose I better agree, but no. <laughs> 
Um, you can find us on all the main social media. You know where to come. You know the Twitters and the YouTubes and the TikTok. TikToks and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Any of them at HHE Podcast. All right, so we're going to be back again soon with another episode of History Happened Everywhere. Episode 33, Greenland, and it's 1903 to 1976, and the subject of Curiosity Killed the Cat. I really don't understand, Ryan. When you get a wild card, why don't you pick an easy one? I thought that was an interesting attempt to utilise the wild card of all the countries well, in the world. Technically, Greenland is not a country, but we won't go there. I'm going to just adjust my notes. <laughs> Hang on, this is like the judge can't give you clues. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so we're recording that one soon and it'll be out and in your podcast slots podcast soon. Park, podcast hole, podcast wallet, den. <laughs> So if you can't bear to wait, you can always go back over our old shows in the archive in hhepodcast.com or YouTube or all the other places where you can find our podcast, uh, where there's a bunch of old stuff, which is as magnificent as, as it always is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess we just need to say goodbye to Mr. Paul. Bye, Mr. Paul. Bye, Mr. Paul. Au revoir. So erudite. He's so erudite. So erudite. All right. So I guess all that's left to say is... You've been listening to... History happened everywhere. The verdict. I've um, I've been inspired, Paul, and uh, I was wondering how you might describe yourself were you to um, be forced. So I'm going to give you some adjectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one, extraordinary. Yes. And no hesitation there whatsoever. <laughs> Next one, breathless. No. Perilous. No. Sardonic. Yes. Uh, tender. No. This is like a lamb. Luscious. No. Downturned. Yes. Like a good hospital bed. <laughs> oh no, this one's fat. <laughs> wow, it feels like the others were hedging around. <laughs> and then this one's like, no, let's get on with this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Puckered. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm just sipping a glass of white wine, so I do pucker up when you when that goes in. All right, young, middle-aged or old? Middle-aged. Short, medium or tall? Medium. Round, oval, square or long face? Would you want to give me my, ect- my ectomorphic dimensions? Turned up nose, small nose or long nose? Slightly turned up. Small ears, large ears? I have no idea what the sizes of my ears are. I never look at them. <laughs> large mouth, small mouth? Normal mouth. Normal mouth. Uh, Were there any others? Hair. We haven't covered hair. Short and brown. Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I could let you work that one out. Fair enough.